0: even to those in social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship coming to you with our Saturday night message. We thank you for listening to us. We pray that we've been a blessing to you. And we just want to um sow a word into your life. Um that God may that you may grow in this grace, that God may continue to bless you, that God that you may hear something that's um really helps you in your walk with God. And so, and we've been talking about of developing emotional maturity um it is extremely important i believe that we grow emotion to be able to handle the different things in our lives and we've been talking about last week we talked about how does this thing start how do we get we talked about triggers okay how does um the battle of the mind we talked about this battles between your two ears and how does it get started and we learned last week that it starts even when you're born, when you're born and the way you grow up and you experience different things, um, you learn different things, the environment you grow up in, the culture you grew up in, all these things play a part in your belief system and how it's developed. And you grow up and things happen. And from then you begin to develop certain things, certain belief system based on what you experience. And this is how the enemy works. And so, therefore, you begin to believe these things and then people, then people begin to impress their belief systems on you and you've impressed your belief systems on them, you know, without you really even knowing about it or really even paying attention to it. But the enemy will have you believe in things that are not in line with the word of God. And so, as you come to Christ, if you come to Christ and you get saved, then you have to begin to change these thoughts and these belief systems to line up with God's word. You have to, if they do not line up with the word of God, then you have to change them. You have to begin to believe God's word versus over your experience, your trauma, your circumstances, um, everything that had had something to do with how you believe. And so we got to find out um, what these things are and begin to take them to the Lord. And so we want to uh, continue on that cycle. So we talk, we call them triggers, triggers. Once you develop it, there's certain things that you, you've experienced in your life. Then if, if somebody does something to you or if something somebody says something, it triggers something that you may have experienced in your life. You know, it may cause you because make that may cause you to believe a certain way. And so, tonight we're going to talk about how do we disarm these triggers, these 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 wrong belief systems um, that we have developed through our experiences, through our circumstances, and the enemy has um, put in our mind. In some cases, the, the Bible calls them strongholds. So how do we disarm these things? How do I get rid of the belief systems? Because maybe you have things that you believe that don't align with the word of God. And we have to change those things, okay? We have to be willing to allow our minds to be renewed to what God says versus what your circumstance say or whether your big mama taught you something. Or maybe you were exposed to wrong teaching, okay? You have to allow the word of God to change the way you, you think, so, how do we disarm um, these triggers? Okay, so we b- begin. How do you do something? Begin to choose to see yourself as God sees you and stop buying to Satan deception. Okay, so this is what we have to do. You got to choose to see yourself as God sees you. And, and don't buy into Satan deception because that is his job um, to deceive you. Okay, he wants to deceive you. There, there will be two or three lies in your in your pattern of thinking to activate your triggers. Use around fear of failure or fear of rejection, okay? So these are the things that the enemy put in my put in mind. I don't know about you, but I've had these things, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection. Maybe you experience these things, the fear that I may fail, that if I step out, the fear that I'm being rejected by people and cultures. So the thing is, we have to understand that, hey, you know, these things are causing us to believe the wrong way, okay? And so therefore, how are we got the enemy job to get us to be, to recognize, to be called us to be have these fears that he put on us through the things that we have experienced. So we got to recognize the lie and practice saying, request, denied." That's what we got to practice saying. We got to practice saying, you know what? I recognize the enemy that you have, this lie, this lie that you have given us um, that, hey, I don't believe that. You know, I don't believe what you, you're telling me because the Bible tells me that that is a lie. And so therefore, I am going to not believe i'm gonna tell you request deny because hey i don't believe that i believe what the word of god says now let me say this to you what you allow yourself to tolerate will dominate your thinking and your actions i want to say that one more time what you what you allow yourself to yourself to dominate will determine your thinking and your action what are you tolerating other way that's dominating your life what are you tolerating? OK, there are certain things that we tolerate, certain um ways of thinking that we that we allow to dominate our thinking. And then when you think a certain way, you're going to act a certain way. OK, you're going to begin to act a certain way. And so you need to ask yourself, OK, OK, what am I allowing? What am I tolerating? This dominating my thinking and my actions. I know some people say, well, I can't change. Yes, you can. Because God has given you the power and the ability um, to change the way you think. And from when you change the way you think, you're going to change your actions. So, hey, tell the enemy, request deny, but figure out, focus on asking God the thing that's asked. to so ask God, and, and is there a lie that I'm believing? Ask him. The Bible says you ask it, and he'll um, answer you. Is there a lie that you are believing? That the enemy has told you that does not lie the word of God. Is there a lie that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, that you, you know what, you're never going to be good enough, that you, you know, you always going to be struggling with this addiction or this habit, you know what, that you can't, you know what, uh, find a partner, a person to marry or you always going to be by yourself, you know, don't, don't believe that, that, you know, what, don't believe those lies that the enemy has placed in you. So ask God, is there a lie? Am I believing? And and as he shared this with you, follow the process of repenting and renouncing that lie. Okay. So this is the process. Once God reveals to you, okay, what the lie is, what you believe in, no lie. You got to go through the process of repenting. What is repenting? Remember we talked about that. Repenting is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repenting is changing the way you think okay, changing that thought, okay, for God's thoughts, okay, and then you renounce it, and God's going to respond to you, he's going to respond, so believe that God's going to respond to you once you ask him, okay, be aware of God's truth that you're struggling with, as they may give you a, a good place to start as part of your inner healing and acceptance of your identity, okay, okay, so, so be aware of God. What are the truths of God that you're struggling with? Most people struggle with that. Hey, i never be healed. You know, I don't believe that God's will to heal me. You know, he may, he may not. Well, that's a lie from the enemy. Okay. That's a lie from the enemy. God wants you here. God wants you well. Okay. God wants you successful. He wants you prosperous, you know? hey, And so you got to be, if you're struggling, whatever you're struggling with, and then you got to accept the identity that God has given us that we are by his stripes. We are here. That's your identity, that you are more than a conqueror. That's your identity, that we are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. That is your identity, that you are a child of God. You know, that is your identity. You're not a sinner saved by grace. I know church folk have, you know, we've coined that phrase. And that does not line up with the word of God. You're not a sinner. Once you become saved, you are a saint. Okay. So don't identify with being a sinner. Yes, as saints, we do sin. But there's a difference between being a sinner and being okay. a sinner who sinned. Because if you're a sinner, then you're on your way to hell. Okay, you have not been accepted because your personal savior. But a saint does sin. We do make mistakes. But we get back up when we get back in line. Okay, but let God start the healing process on the inside of you okay let them start the healing process as you begin to renew your mind change the way you repent and change the way you think so the, so um the truths that you're struggling with what are the truths that you are struggling with okay and, and so god wants you to receive deep in your heart all the truths okay not just uh picks and mix sections of them So what am I saying here? God wants you to receive all his truths, not just some of them. God don't want you to pick and choose the one that you feel like, you know, hey, I can believe this. No, God wants you to believe all his truth. The Bible said the the promises of God are yes and amen. He said all the promises are yes, amen, not just some of them. All God's promises are for you, not just some of the promises. All of them are for you. Every last one, every promise that's in the word of God that God has given us, it is for the believer. And they have been, um, they are finished by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Your, your promises, those are, they are a finished work. Now all we have to do is just release our faith and see them come. Um, and to man- I see them manifested in this earth realm okay so we need to understand that so as, as we begin to understand the truths of who we are and walk with godly values and beliefs people will draw closer to you and you will be better positioned to positively influence people places and situations so this is why we got to grow um in, a maturity, in our maturity with our emotions because we want to have influence on people and places and people and situations. When situations come, you want to be emotionally mature to handle those things. And God has given us the ability to do that. He's equipped us, whether, whether it's death, whether somebody's tragic death. we The Bible even said we shouldn't handle death like the world. The Bible says we shouldn't um, grieve as people who have no hope. Okay, we shouldn't grieve like that. No, we should be able to handle it better. Yeah, not to say that you don't cry, not to say that it doesn't hurt, um, not to say that this is a process because it doesn't happen overnight, but we we grieve like people who have hope that if you know that your loved one has died in the Lord, you're going to see them again. Okay, and so this is why we got to be, grow up and develop emotional maturity so that we can have influence on people, influence and be able to handle our situations and things that we experience in this walk with God. Okay, all right. So let me begin. Um, I uh, have a lot of scriptures tonight, so we're gonna get to them pretty. Um, try to get through them, but I have a lot of scriptures tonight because I felt it's important that we we look at these scriptures. And so I want to start off with, with Romans uh, twelve and two. And I'm going to read it from a new um, living translation um, 12 and 2 and we're familiar with this, but it says you know don't copy this is what it says don't copy the behavior and custom of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. So notice what the scripture says. it says don't copy the behaviors and custom of this world don't do that this is part of growing um growing immaturity with your emotions don't copy these people don't do this you know it says but let god transfer you by the way you think see this is how transformation takes place transformation does not take place by somebody just laying hands on you and you know you get up and you um somebody different not saying that can't happen but that's not how really how it happens okay transformation you want to transform your life into the image of christ and that's the goal to be conformed to his image okay you got to change the way you think you got to get into word and as we say here how do we disarm these triggers well this is how you do it you got to um allow god to transform you into a new person by the way you think we're trying to disarm these triggers these things that affect us emotionally that we are um, right now in this area there may be certain areas in your life that you are emotionally immature and god want to grow you up in that area and so how do i do that I, be, you do that by finding scriptures for that particular situation for that trigger that's in your life and you begin to meditate on it until you transform into not train away from that lie that him has given you, okay, and into the truths that God has in his word. Okay, and so then you learn to know God's will. So you want to know God's will, you gotta to begin to get in his word, allow it to change the way you think. And so you know God's will, which is good and perfect and pleasing. Okay, so this is how you disarm the triggers. You got to allow God. To change the way you think, don't copy the customs, okay, and the behaviors of this world. We 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 don't we shouldn't be going off on people like the world do, okay. We shouldn't be cussing and going off on people like the world do. That's not God. I know you may be saying I'm not perfect. Yes, but God wants to change that about you. We we don't handle things um, like the world do, but we you change that you disarm that by allowing the word of God to change the way you think. Okay. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Now listen to this scripture. And we've heard, you may have heard this before. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Now you may be saying, well, man, that takes it. Yeah, it's going to take a lifetime to do this, but this, this is what we're saying. So how do you disarm this trigger maybe you have a dis trigger to say well god don't love me god you know based on the things that you've experienced in your life you saying that well god can't love me you know but it says you are to love the lord god love him with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind maybe your love walk is not where it need to be well this is but it tells us here how we should do it and once again like i said it's going to take your whole life to do this now let's look at the english word the english word um the greek word and I can't necessarily pronounce it it's a little bit tough but it's the word the soul word soul in the greek word and it has it has been translated as heart life mind soul <coughs> excuse me the scripture tells us that <coughs> the soul <coughs> excuse me needs knowledge the soul needs not it, it it needs to know okay this is what the soul do it knows Um, And it had different scriptures to back this up, Um, but I'm not going to go into reading all of them. But it says the scripture so knows it considers it counsels your soul. Okay, your soul remembers, it chooses, your soul refuses, it seeks, it binds, it makes decisions, it loves, okay, it hates, it has joy, all these things, it grieves, it desires. Okay, and all the scriptures, these are all backed up with scriptures, but but these scriptures that's backed up, it says best reveal the mind to be the principal and leading part of your soul. Okay, the mind is the principal part of leading your soul, okay, followed by your will and your emotion. So it starts with once again, we starts with your mind. And when your mind has a certain thinking, we're talking about triggers. When you when you when you have develop a trigger, then it leads to your decisions and your emotions okay the soul could also be described as being the hidden part of all existing all existing beings or what most people call the personality okay the soul is the center of the feelings and emotions the appetite desire as well as uh, sense perception and consciousness so when it says love the god with all your heart your soul your mind that's what your appetites are that's what your desires are and so the soul also speaks of the totality of a person the total being of uh, or self okay the new testament uh use the greek word Greek may may be analyzed as follows so this is how the the, uh, the greek word in the New Testament, it's used as far as the, the, the natural life of a person's body, um, the individual or immaterial part of a person, uh, the, the disembodied portion of a person, okay, the seat of personality that perceives, that reflects the desires that feel, um, the center of the will and purpose, the center of appetite and desire. That that's once again the totality of the of the person. Okay. So, And the hidden or the inward person. So the, the soul and the body cannot become born again. Let me say it again. Cannot become born again right away. It is the spirit of a person that becomes totally new at salvation. So guess what? So your soul and your body did not get saved the day you got born again. Your spirit did. Okay, your spirit. That's why the scripture you read, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen it says, "If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new." What are they talking about? It's talking about the the part of you that became new was your soul. I mean, excuse me, was your your spirit? It was your spirit that got born again, not. Your soul and your body; those things. Your mind has to be renewed. That's why we're talking about renewing your mind. We're talking about disarming these triggers. So your mind has to be. But we have to love the God. So how do you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You have to renew your mind. You have to get in the scriptures that show you how to love God. When it talks about loving Him, you disarm those, those those triggers that saying you know what you can't love God. The right way. Yes, you can. Because he's given us the ability. OK, so although every believer receives the same miraculous spiritual birth, the the visible results of that inward change will vary from person to person according to how much they renew their mind. OK, so. Based on how much you renew your mind it's going to determine the results that you get. Let me say it again. Based on how how you allow the word of God to transform you, through remove, in other words, your love walk is going to is going to be determined how much you renew your mind. Because we talked about here, loving the Lord God with all your heart, um, with all your soul, with all your mind. Well, your love walk is going to be determined um, by how much you renew your mind. Okay, how much you allow the word of God. Because hey, like I said, based on from person to person, you're gonna get different results. Okay, you're gonna get if you allow the word of God to change the way you think, then you're gonna walk in that love for God. Because don't get me wrong, don't you don't have to worry about God's love for you. That's never gonna change. But what happens is our love for God, we change that love for God based on how we um allow circumstances and situations to change us. OK. And to maybe sometimes get us away from the things of God. So we don't want to do it. So you determine how strong and how um, powerful your love walk is for God based on how you renew your mind. It is it, it varies from different person to person, but it has some to do with how much you renew your mind. OK, let's look at the third scripture here. The next scripture said it is John First John chapter three and one. And it says, see how very much the father loves us, for he called us his children. And that is what we are. The people who are, belong to the world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So it says, see how much God loves you. See, I want to disarm this trigger to say God don't love you, even if you don't make any mistakes right now. I want to disarm that trigger and so say God don't love you. He says, see how much the Father our, see how much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that's who we are. See, you have to believe in what God said. You are God's child. If you're born again, if you're saved, you accepted Christ, you are his child. Maybe you your your love walk is not where it needs to be, but you are still his child. That's who you are. Okay, and the world may not see it, you know, because maybe you're not, like I said, you're not where you want to be. But don't worry about what the world says. You believe what God said. God says you are his child. Okay, you are the beloved of God. That's who you are. He loves you. Don't determine God's love by your circumstance or what you're experiencing right now. He loves you. His love has never changed for you. He has never stopped loving you. You've got to believe that. So you have to disarm that trigger that's telling you right now that God don't love you based on your circumstance situation. No, you are his child. I know it may not feel like sometimes. I know we experience things, but you are his child. You belong to him. Okay, let's look at the next scripture, Romans 8 and 35. And I love this scripture listen to this from the New Living Church. It says, can anyone ever separate us from the love of Christ? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or are destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Listen to that. I love it. it say, can any any of these things says, can anything ever separate us from the love of God? We just talked about that. See, nothing. It says, does it mean? And I love the way, the way it put it, it says, does it mean that he no longer loves love us if we have trouble or we experience all these things like trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger? See, we would look at the world, we'll look at these things, and maybe you're looking at these things that you know what I, maybe you've experienced these things. You're saying God can't love me because of all the things. Maybe you're a person that said, well, you know what? If God is who he is, why is all the trouble in the world? Why don't God stop it? Why don't God, you know, uh, stop with all the, the deaf? And we, we sometimes we look at TV and we see people over in third world countries hungry, children, you know, with swollen bellies and say, you know what, if God is, why don't he do something about it? Well, I think he is. God has called us to do something about it. That's why nothing's being done about it. God gave us authority over the earth. In Genesis 1, he said he gave man dominion over the earth and everything, guess what? Everything that's happening in the world, it's our fault. It's not God's fault. So if anything gonna get fixed in the world, we have to do it. And God want to use us, me and you to do it. But he says, hey, So don't look at these things, and we want to disarm that trigger. Don't look at these things and think that, okay, well, God doesn't love us because all these things, because I'm being persecuted, because I'm in trouble, and maybe you didn't bring it on yourself because, you know, my childhood, I was abused, and I was molested, and I was hurt, and I was abandoned, and so God can't be gone. No, he still loves you, but we live in this fallen world, and things are going to happen. Because the Bible tells us, Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we can't live in this world without trouble because we live in a fallen world where God made us free more ages. And sometimes um, we are affected by other people's behavior who don't know Christ, who don't know about God, who don't love God like we do. And sometimes it affects us. Okay. So don't allow the enemy to convince you that God does not love you. Okay, so pay careful attention to the way this verse is stated. Now, it said it, it. does not say who can separate us from our love for God. Love, excuse love for Christ. Okay, it doesn't say that. Okay, that's not what it said. It says, there are many examples of believers walking away from the Lord because of persecution, because of famine, because of, of nakedness. And this is uh, how the King James said, perilous was we A lot of you, maybe you walk away from God because you've seen all this. And as I said, you saw all these calamities and things. And you say, well, God can't love the world. He can't love me because I experienced. You know, so there are many examples of believers who walked away because they are convinced that they allow the enemy to make them believe that god did not don't love them and so my, i'm calling you i'm challenging you to disarm that trigger but c- guess what those things would never stop christ from loving us they would never stop us from loving us so you need to believe that and it says that i want to go and read let me go ahead and read go to because uh, i want to read another verse um which talks about that and um go a little further it talks about us being conquerors and i want to go and just read it because i think it's important for us to to read that and understand it and 30 because i want to read um it says here how can how can anyone ever separate us from the from christ's love does it mean he no longer loves us as if we have We have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hunger or destitute or or in danger or threatened by death. The scripture says, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. So it says we're going to be killed. And so we're slaughtered like sheep. No, in spite of all these things. okay, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. The King James Version puts it this way. Uh, Let me read it from that that's the word i want to read on i want to focus on this word conqueror okay it goes on to say that we kill it says nay all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves us okay so you may be saying how am i more than a conqueror i want this is interesting because it says how can we be more than conquerors a conqueror has the victory and the spoils of the war okay and the person conquers them, they, they get the victory back in the old time you get the victory and the spoil of the world but they don't but they have to fight for to get them so the person the conqueror um they have to um win the war they get the victory and they get the spoils but they they had to fight for them check this out we are more than conquer because we have the victory and all the spoils of the world but guess what? But we didn't do, do, we didn't do no fighting. Isn't that amazing? Jesus fought the battle for us. And guess what? We get all the spoils. We get all the rewards of the war. Okay. But yet we did no fighting. He fought the battle for us. So you get all the promises of God. You get the victory. You get eternal life. You get all the promises. You get everything that Jesus paid for. And guess what? You did no fighting. Jesus fought and won the battle for us. And all we have to do is just receive the benefit. That's being more than a conqueror. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome because guess what? You didn't do anything. You didn't fight the battle. Jesus fought it for it. Guess what? But you get all the benefits of what he paid for, or what he fought for you and for me. That's why we are more than conquerors. Man, that ought to make you praise God right there because, hey, how many times you know that for somebody to win the war for you, then you get everything, yet you get the benefit, but they fought the battle for you. They fought the war for you. And so this is what Jesus did. So this arm just triggered that says that, hey, that God does not love us. Let's read the next scripture. Let's look at the next one. It says here in Ephesians 2 and 6, For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly, in, in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. God raised us up from the dead along with, with Christ. We, we, when Christ died, we died. And your spirit, you died, you raised with him now. We are joint heirs with Christ now. So whatever he has, we have. Whatever we he can do, we can do. We have the power and the ability to do it because he gave it to us. He gave it to us. Okay, why? Because when we received him. And so when we got in Christ, we died. We did the, the old, the, the sinful nature died. And then we was raised with him. We raised up in Christ. And now it says we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're seated with him. You have the authority that he has. Let's look at um, Romans 8 and 17. And it says, and since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we also must share in his suffering. So understand something here. Okay. Understand that our relationship with Jesus Christ makes us heirs with God. You are his heir. Don't. Allow the enemy disarm that trigger to say that you don't have what Jesus have. You don't have the power to, like he has. No, we got to disarm that tonight. Okay. We are as with him. We are joint heirs with Christ of everything God has. We're joint. What is the heir? You inherit what the person left you. Okay. So, hey, we're joint heirs with him. Joint heirs signifies inheritance. A joint. Take a side to give you an example, a joint account means two people share the same account. Both signatures are needed to cash a check or withdraw one signature will not release the funds from a joint account. We know that like, because I mean, my wife, we have a joint account and that is this account. I can't just pull out stuff or take out. The, I can't close the account without her signature. They have to have her signature on it too. Okay. And so, therefore, it, it takes both people to re- withdraw cash, cash check. Or it takes both signatures. One signature would not release release the funds from a joint account. Jesus is our joint heir. Even though we might be tempted to sign our inheritance away as Adam did, Jesus would never cooperate with that. Even that see, that's, that's awesome right there. Even though you try to walk away from God, even though you may be trying, you maybe say, I'm done, Jesus would never be done with you. He said, uh, uh-uh. he says, No. Even though you you gave your her- you maybe you want to give your inheritance away. But guess what? It takes two. So Jesus is, Jesus would never sign on for that. Okay, like Adam did. This is what happened with Adam. Okay, Jesus would never cooperate with that. Our inheritance is secure because Jesus would never put his signature on any bad choices. God doesn't sign off on bad choices. Now we made bad choices. Maybe you made a bad choice. And maybe the enemy tried to convince you. That's what he tried to do. The enemy tried to convince you. And maybe I'm going to speak to somebody right now. The, the enemy has told you that God has given up on you. But guess what? I want you to know that Jesus didn't sign off on that. Maybe you said what I did was so bad that you know what? I know God has just done away with me. He don't want none of it. I'll come and tell you that the enemy is deceived. He is deceiving you, and he is a lie. God has not done with you. God didn't sign off on that. No, he still wants you. Even though you made a bad choice, he still wants you. Jesus didn't sign off on that. Y'all have that joint account, but he's not going to sign off on that. So, so Adam was not a joint heir with Christ. See, this is why he wasn't a joint heir with Christ. He was a joint heir with Eve. And they shared dominion over the earth. We're going back to the garden of Eden here, back in the Genesis. They shared dominion over the earth because why? God gave it to them. In order for the transgression to be valid, both of them had to participate. See, in the Bible saying, I know we get into this thing about, well, you know, it's Adam's fault because Adam ate of the fruit. Well, but both of them was given joint authority. And when and Eve ate of it and, and Adam and so Adam signed off on what Eve did. They signed off on the lie that the enemy told Eve. Adam was there. Adam signed off on it, too. OK, so they had a he had a joint. But. God gave them in order for the transaction to be valid, they both had to participate. They did in Genesis 6, and they signed away their authority over the earth to the Satan. This is, this is what happened. This is when the fall of man, okay? He became the God of this world, and that's what 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, through what Adam did. In a very in a very real sense, God did not create Satan. He didn't create He created Lucifer now. The powerful angel. Adam and Eve created Satan when they gave him the power and the authority they had been given over the earth. So Adam and Eve created the devil, not God. But when they signed their authority over to him by eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they signed it over. So I want to tell you, take back what God gave to you. How you do that by renewing your mind, by disarming that trigger, that thought process that you have that does not line up with the word of God. Disarm that tonight. Okay, disarm that. Break the whole tail Satan's um, access is denied. I will not receive that. I'm disarming that from here on out. I won't believe your lie. I won't believe your deception because God has given me. I'm taking my authority back. Why? Because I'm able to take it back because of what Jesus did on Calvary. So I'm able to walk in the thought. And the Bible said we shall reign. Now we reign in this earth. Why? Because Jesus has given us authority back. What Adam and Eve did, Jesus came and took it back. And now... We can walk in that authority that God has given us. The next scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So God wants to speak to you. Maybe you're saying, well, you know what? Maybe the enemy is putting authority in you Bible. God can't speak to you. God can't use you because of what you've done or the things you've experienced in your life and things, that, or, you know, he said that you won't be a good mouthpiece. No, you you are Christ's ambassador, as this scripture says here. He's making his appeal to the world through you and through me. And he says, he's telling us to tell the world, come back to God. Well, how do we do that? By coming and accepting Jesus Christ in the prayer that Jesus is the only way no other way but through jesus christ to the father he is the way so you are his ambassador you are his mouthpiece god wants to use you to tell the world to come back to him be reconciled back to god and the last scripture tonight i want to read second corinthians uh, chapter 3 verse 18 and it says so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed to his glorious image. So God wants to move that veil that's on your face off, that veil, that trigger. In this case, I want to call it a trigger. That trigger that's keeping you from believing the truths of the word. So it says, so all of us who have, so all of us who have had the veil removed, that was that revealed, those lies that the enemy has told us. He is, you know, God wants to remove that tonight off of your eyes, those those thought processes, those strongholds that the enemy has, that you believe that the enemy has on your life. In the name of Jesus, we break that tonight. Take the, God is taking the veil off your eyes to see him for who he is. And he wants you to see yourself like he sees you, that you are delivered, that you are set free. Okay. That you're no longer in bondage, that you are a child of God, that you are his beloved, that you have a thought, that you have power. Okay. He wants to take, you know, you to see those truths allow god to take that veil off your eyes and how that's how you disarm the trigger by believing the truth of god's word and walking in the grace and the anointing that he has placed on your life that's what god wants so let me pray for you father god in the name of you i thank you right now for your word for your word speaking and to the people live that are listening to this podcast i thank you that God right now you are disarming triggers that the enemy has placed God thank you that you're removing the veil that the enemy has placed over their eyes to say that they are not good enough that they will never be successful that they are uh, people that will always be a failure but we come against that in the name of Jesus that person who's struggling with their identity you know, whether it's sexual identity or whether it's um, identity that the, the thought process that the world has placed on our lives, we break that hole right now in the name that we take authority and say that we bind you. And uh, when we take, we have the victory in Jesus' name. And I give you glory, honor, and praise God for what you're doing in your life right now. I think you, the lives that are being transformed both from by the spoken word, by your power, God, by your anointing on their life. And we thank you for the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening. We want you to continue to listen to this um, series on developing emotional maturity and pray that you're being helped. And once again, I always encourage that if, if it's helping you, if you know someone that need it, Um, please share it with them so that they may hear what the word of God has to say to them. Once again, thank you. We'll be back with you again next week. Thank you and bye-bye.